Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Priority and joining us on the line is the Minister of Health for the Province of Ontario, Christine Elliott. Minister, good afternoon and welcome to the Oakley Show. Hello, John. Thank you for having me join you. Well, I appreciate you coming on under uh, these extreme circumstances. I mean, everybody's walking on eggshells these days. Uh, I guess one of the big issues is capacity. How are we poised to handle uh, what might be the anticipated capacity requirements uh, in maybe a worst-case scenario or something approximating that? Well, we are looking at expanding capacity in all of our hospitals across the province. We are looking at... um, uh, postponing some elective surgeries uh, to a later date so that we will have the the beds available. We're also looking at um, uh, decanting some people who are ultimate level of care in hospitals to other locations. And these are people who don't need to be in hospitals, mostly seniors who are waiting for a place in long-term care. But we are looking at uh, different locations for them. We're working with uh, a number of hotels across the province, uh, and we have made changes to allow hospitals to use these non-traditional hospital spaces as hospital spaces under these really unusual circumstances. So we are uh, looking at expanding internally and externally to make sure that we are ready uh, for people who, are, uh, who do contract COVID-19 who need to be hospitalized. So then would you assess the situation currently as being manageable? Uh, yes, uh, yes, it is. We have a, a plan in place. We have a, a, a command table at Health, which is working with the Ministry of the Solicitor General and other ministries to make sure that we have a coordinated response to COVID-19. And yes, we uh, will have the space that we will need. Absolutely. It's something that I was in a call this morning about. So uh, we're moving fast because COVID-19 is moving fast as well, and we need to be uh, quick and nimble. What about our frontline health care workers? First of all, do they have enough protective personal equipment? Uh, well, it's, it's something that I think it's fair to say. There's no secret that there is worldwide demand for personal protective equipment. And uh, we are working uh, 24-7 to procure it. We have been following up with our traditional suppliers. Uh, we're also working with the federal government because they have a very big supply order in on uh, millions of face masks and, and gloves and so on. But we've also reached out to um, Ontario companies and individuals uh, through Ontario Together to and who've come forward. Uh, many companies have agreed to change their production lines in order to help manufacture the uh, personal protective equipment that we need. We've got distilleries, for example, that are preparing hand sanitizer. We've got car parts um, manufacturers that are retooling in order to produce ventilators for us. And we are uh, also producing the N95, the fitted masks that mostly nurses wear, as well as surgical masks. So we want to make sure our frontline healthcare workers have all of the personal protective equipment that they need to keep themselves uh, 
their families and their patients safe. So could you say at present uh, what they've been given is adequate or still falling short? I would say that what they have been given is adequate and we are continuing to supply them. Uh, we have had a clarification with some um, uh, first responders on the use of some of the expired uh, N95 masks, the fitted masks. They can't be used for that purpose anymore, but they can be used as surgical masks, which is um, something that most first responders can use, depending on the circumstances. So we're using every piece of equipment that we have, but it has to be used to buy the, by the right providers at, in the right places. And they are following through with that. Minister Elliott, I'm curious because I know in, in uh, certain areas in the state's hot pockets, uh, there have been a number of infections among the frontline health care workers. What's the status in Ontario? Are uh, we facing that? Is even burnout a question here where the people are working extended hours in the immediate and uh, maybe it's taking its toll that way? Can you speak to those? I would definitely say that burnout is um, something that uh, we're trying to prevent against uh, because we know that it's difficult for our frontline healthcare workers to deal with COVID-19. Uh, it's very, uh, very stressful and they're working uh, with very ill patients. So we are looking at making sure that we can have respite available for them, that we are bringing forward a number of nurses who may have been um, even in retirement they're volunteering to come forward and help out at our assessment centers, working on telehealth Ontario on the, on the phone lines to help speak with people who are concerned about their health symptoms. So we, are, uh, we want to make sure that we can bolster the frontline resources because they, we, of course, want them to be able to continue to do their jobs. What about infections, though? Doctors or nurses, anybody in the front lines, have you heard? Uh, are there appreciable numbers? Uh, not appreciable numbers. There have been some cases where people are self-isolating and determining whether they have COVID-19. We want them to do that because we don't want them, especially been coming back from traveling, that um, now it's the law that you have to go into uh, self-isolation for 14 days. That's really important for everyone's protection because you might not feel ill yourself, but you may be infectious to other people. So that's why we definitely support the federal government's decision to issue this order under the Quarantine Act. Yeah, you know, when you talk about people coming back from traveling, I'm kind of curious because the initial spate of infections were related to travel. Now it seems we've entered into the phase of community spread. How prevalent is community spread? Well, I would say that mostly we're still dealing with uh, travel as a, as a contributor to it. And uh, this is happening, I would say, particularly for people who are returning to Canada from the United States, where we've seen uh, huge outbreaks of COVID-19, unfortunately, and uh, to people who are coming back, snowbirds and so on. I don't think that they realized that they could be infectious and that they were coming home and going shopping, going to pharmacy and so on before they went home. Now they have to go directly home because they may well be infectious. That said, there are still some um, outbreaks in some select communities across Ontario. Um, Dr. Williams, our Chief Medical Officer of Health, 
hasn't said yet that he sees that there's um, a community outbreak per se, but it definitely is true that it is happening in, in some smaller communities or some smaller areas in Ontario. What's our status in the province on test kits? We have um, we have test kits. What the problem has been until recently is that we haven't had um, the substance called reagent. That's what you put the, the swabs into to determine whether COVID-19 is present or not. Right now, we're, we're looking at obtaining a supply of reagent, which is great. We will continue to be able to do that testing. But we're also um, looking at other uh, tests where you don't need to uh, use reagent that some of them are blood related tests others you they're just test kits that don't need the reagent so that's where we really want to focus our efforts and to make sure that we can continue to do testing wherever we need it especially in areas where we have vulnerable populations like long-term care homes retirement homes homes where there are people with intellectual disabilities living in group situations. That's the, the, the group of people that we really need to protect right now. Yeah, uh, the vulnerable. Now, it's interesting because uh, in a lot of cases, certainly uh, those who are in serious condition on ICUs and have even perished, unfortunately, underlying conditions have been uh, a large part of that. Do we know to what extent underlying conditions are still the main determinant of whether or not somebody will fall into a, a severe case of COVID-19, even on a respirator, as well as perhaps, uh, you know, f meeting an untimely end. Is it still the underlying conditions? Well, we know that most of the um, deaths, un unfortunately, um, so far, have been with people who are seniors that have those underlying conditions, but just generally, uh, the what what we're seeing happening um, internationally is that people who are over 70 are at a 10% greater risk to um, contract uh, COVID-19, and if you're over 80, you have a 20% higher risk. So that's why we know that it's really, really important to protect um, this group of people that we really need to do continued vigilant testing at uh, particularly our long-term care homes to make sure that we can keep people safe. And if someone contracts COVID-19, then we need to get our public health units in there immediately and to make sure we find out what's caused it and make sure that the other residents are protected. And I guess we can still say, uh, ruefully, that we're in this critical phase of social isolation still. Yes, yes, it's more important now than ever. The, the physical distancing that we're asking people to do and the rules that have come forward with uh, respect to the continued uh, operation of essential services and the closure of the rest is, is vitally important if we're going to try and flatten this uh, curve of transmission so that we don't end up in a situation like Italy, for example. And in some cases now the United States is the biggest um, uh, uh, contractor, I guess, of COVID-19. Yeah, it's the epicenter. After, mm. after China. So that is something that I'm, I am pleased that the federal government, um, working with the American government, has closed the borders except to um, commercial traffic that we need for um, food supply chains and other uh, supply chains that, that need to keep open. We have to keep that part of our economy moving because we need People need food and they need basic supplies and they need medication. 
so uh, we're taking whatever steps we can to contain uh, the um, our, and, and protect the people of Ontario and the people of Canada uh, from uh, the um, the virus that's really spreading rapidly in the U.S. We just don't want that to happen here, and that's why it's really important for people to please maintain that physical distancing. And if you can stay at home, please do so. You've been more than generous with your time. Just a quick response, finally. Uh, what frustrates you most about this entire ordeal? Oh, there are lots of frustrations, but I, I guess um, for me it's making sure that we can have um, all of the supplies that we need in a timely basis, and we do have a plan for that, but we know that there's a lot of uncertainty on the part of the people of Ontario, and particularly our frontline workers, so I want them to be reassured that we have their backs, that they're standing up there for us, and we're there for them. Amen to that. I would have thought as well the social distancing message that probably hasn't gotten through to still uh, enough people, but we'll leave it at that. Uh, I really appreciate the work you're doing. Continued good luck, good health. Uh, going forward, uh, we'll talk again, but hopefully under different circumstances. Thanks, Minister Elliott. Thank you very much, John. Again, Christine Elliott is the Minister of Health in the province of Ontario. Well, uh, that's the latest on that. Seems to uh, be a case where... Um, Everything is being assessed as manageable. It's a sight lot better than what you're hearing out of New York State. Man, I tune in in the mornings, and uh, Governor Como, although he's kind of changed his tone a little bit uh, concerning Donald Trump, and he's seemingly uh, more, uh, it's almost like working as a, in a collegial way. Of course, the orange devil, who knows, uh, he's taking a risk too by suggesting things might start getting back to normal come Easter time, albeit he's saying in certain pockets they're trying to break it down and isolate region by region. And uh, this is where his point person on that, uh, Dr. Deborah Burks, is saying that not all cases are not, it's not like one size fits all. In some areas of the country, needless to say, uh, the contagion has not spread as rapidly as it has in, for example, New York City. Seattle, Detroit is another hot spot. Uh, New Orleans, they went on with Mardi Gras, even though they knew that the contagion had been spreading at that time. So uh, this is now the bitter harvest, I guess, we're reaping in a certain regard. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.